people, welcome to the second edition of the Perilous Pauline podcast, where we chat about music, Buffalo, more music, and basically anything else I feel like talking about. So there. Today, we're going to have amazing conversations about and with Robbie Tekak, songwriter, singer, dad, philanthropist, certainly a Buffalo lover, and of course, bass player for the Goo Goo Dolls. But before we chat with Robbie, I wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Electric Owlworks slash EOW. EOW is the home of Electric Owlworks Recording Studio, Rachel's Owl Music Publishing Company, and the EOW Indie Label. Take your auto recording, mixing, and mastering to the next level. Create and discover with Electric Owlworks. Hey, Robbie. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How's the fabulously fantastic and famous Robbie Tekak? <laughs> uh well you know i just got my uh nine-year-old off to school which makes you feel a little less fabulous and famous you know um well, that's a but good uh yeah no no it's uh no everything's great man you know I, we just got i was out in the woods for the past uh couple months making uh our new record out in woodstock new york and oh wow yeah that's this cool recording studio called dreamland which is built in this old church that, that was built in like 1900 and sat empty for like 30 years and after the uh woodstock concert they started studios started popping up in the area and this was one of them and i guess about Ten Thousand maniacs has, have done a record there and some other folks pretty cool all right different kind of a vibe than buffalo yeah. <laughs> um hey so i I Googled you for the first time ever, and I was totally overwhelmed, <laughs> but I found out yeah. <laughs> completely overwhelmed. Like, really? Really? Did he really write this? Did this? But I found out that you're Robert Carl Tekak Jr. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> so, Jr. <laughs> um, I definitely want to talk about the old days, but I did want to ask you, what is, I know you don't have any typical days right now, but what is a sort of typical day right now for you? Well, obviously this last year has been much less typical than, than the past uh, series of untypical years of my life, I guess. But um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's been weird since COVID, obviously, you know, we, we tour most of the time. So, you know, uh, an average tour day, you know, you wake up four o'clock in the morning, in the next city that you just rolled into on your bus and you check into the hotel and sleep for a few hours and, you know, get up and kind of have a couple hours to yourself. And then about noon, you head over to soundcheck and soundcheck and press and, uh, meet and greet and show. And there's a dinner and a lunch in there at some point. And, and, uh, yeah. And then rock show and an after show meet and greet usually, and then back on the bus again. And that's, 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 five, six months at a time for us. Wow. But yeah, but like I said, it's been, it's been a little bit different, you know, um, you know, we're, we, we do a lot of shows, man. We do, we, we do five, sometimes six shows a week. So, um, but you know, all of a sudden it was like the brakes were on. And, uh, so, you know, uh, just this year, uh, our second summer in a row got, got postponed until the next year. Right. So, uh, you know, it's been a blessing in some ways, you know, my, my, uh, I got to spend some time with my kid, you know, spend some time in the backyard playing badminton and learning how hard it is to, uh, grow tomatoes and, you know, all those things. Yeah, yeah. it is hard. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I mean, all those things I haven't done for the past 
you know, couple of decades that we've been so busy. So, um, yeah, but, um, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's been much different, you know, uh, this time, you know, so, but, you know, we're well, still, sounds uh, like you used your time wisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Growing tomatoes, flying kites. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I want to think about the old days for a while, if that's okay. Sure. And so my earliest memory of you is never wearing shoes. <laughs> and when you, so you like walked around without shoes, you, do you, do you wear shoes? And when did you put them on actually? <laughs> well, I don't have them on at the moment, uh, <laughs> but that's cause, uh, no, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't like shoes. I find myself, uh, I'm, I'm very clumsy by nature. So I think, uh, it takes away one more variable, uh, between me and the ground. So, so I, I, I guess that's how it, I guess that's how it started. Uh, and then I got superstitious for a while. And uh, so, yeah, like I couldn't play with them. I just couldn't. So oh. I went on and on and on. And except for TV shows, I still don't. But right around like 48, 50, I sort of decided that I, that my bare feet, necessarily didn't need to be out all the time so i started wearing <laughs> socks at that point and uh so maturity. yeah yeah so, yeah exactly so now if it's really hot <laughs> maturity that's funny uh now if it's hot uh, uh you know i'll take my socks off but generally i try to uh you know keep it as discreet as possible that i have this phobia about having shoes on, on <laughs> okay so i'm remembering uh, a long-haired kind of scruffy bass player with great energy and he used to rehearse in my backyard with the goo goo dolls and i remember totally i believe it's your first tour but there was a tour bus parked outside my house running for like i don't know eight hours maybe the first time you went on tour could that be possible yeah that wasn't the first time we pissed your neighbors off either was it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so robbie my, my next door neighbors at that time on Lexington were both attorneys, and I thought they were going to kill me. I thought they were going to let me <laughs> because the loudest possible, you know, I don't know. We did everything we could. Bob James did everything he could to kind of isolate and soundproof things, but obviously it didn't work. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was good stuff. So that was good stuff. And I remember the other memory I have of you is we had like a above ground pool in our backyard, and on hot days. You used to run in and sideways <laughs> jump into the pool. You remember? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, it was amazing that space that you guys had. You know, like when I think about the amount of bands that kind of made their way through that little room. Um, yeah. You know, it was pretty crazy. You know, there'd be four bands practice in there at any given time, and you guys, you know, were running it with the. Uh, you know, from a, you know, no, there were no Google calendars back then, you know, you guys are, you know, you know, you guys are running it out of a notebook, man. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was great, you know, it was in the neighborhood. We all lived in the neighborhood. And, uh, so, you know, we, we were, uh, incredibly appreciative to you oh, guys yeah. for that whole And of course I loved you big fan still am. Um, uh, mostly of you, mostly of you, I must say. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, one thing, and you're going to have to forgive me if I don't know my Robbie trivia very well, but I didn't realize you were the first vocalist of the group dolls. Yeah. I sang pretty much the entire first album and, uh, John sang a little bit 
and then a little bit more on the next record. And we started to realize, you know, there was something there for sure, you know, and so, you know, we started to grow more and more in that direction. And here we stand today. Here you stand. Yeah. Yeah, you certainly do stand. So one of the things, too, I'm going to kind of jump around, um, is that one of the things I completely love about you is that some people, when they become financially successful, like really just focus on their own comforts and toys. And I'm not saying you don't have some of those, but you are different (laughs) and you give back and especially Buffalo. I mean, I just, I'm so grateful for all that you do for Buffalo and Buffalo musicians and, you know, music is art. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) What would you like to know? (laughs) Everything. Well, I'm assuming that some people listening aren't going to know about music is art. So, ah, I gotcha. All right. Well, yes. Uh, music is art. I'll 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 give you the elevator pitch real quick. Like mm-hmm. like uh, about two decades ago now, uh, there was a uh, art festival that still goes on in my neighborhood. It's the um, Allentown Art Festival. Yeah. And we 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 decided I have a studio in the neighborhood and we decided that having a hundred thousand people in our neighborhood was too good of an opportunity to pass up. So we decided to have a little show in our parking lot and of my recording studio. And Which is uh, what called? Yeah, we invited a few we invited a few artists and and uh uh we invited, you know, a bunch of bands, like thirty bands or something like that. And, uh made it into a, a fundraiser for Roswell and it caused all sorts of trouble. Uh, the Allentown folks at the time weren't happy about it. Uh, so we went in, good friend of mine, Paula Bogdan, and I and Kim Ferrillo from the old Trackmaster, now of uh, Chameleon. We marched our way downtown and found some heroes that, that would back us up. And uh, we ended up having a show. And through that whole controversy, we found uh, an incredibly active culture of people in this town who were willing to share what they knew, who were willing to share their resources, who were excited about like moving this group of creative people forward. And so slowly, we sort of made our way into schools and uh, community centers and started running programming that all the bands and in between right. drives and and uh uh we would do um programming uh, uh for different not-for-profit organizations like like the mental health association uh autistic services and yeah. and, and uh some other things and um oh my goodness i mean i'm missing 20 of the things that we do uh up to this point but eventually we were taking in real money and uh my father uh, his, his was a huge driver behind music as art. Decided that I was probably going to go to jail if I didn't make it le- legitimate at some point because we were doing great stuff. We just couldn't prove it. Right. Uh, so so we got a board of directors and 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 filed all the appropriate paperwork. And that was probably seventeen years ago now, eighteen years ago mm-hmm. now. And um, yeah, and we're going on. where we got our eighteenth festival happening this year. So so cool. Is it going yeah. to be real or is it going to be virtual? Uh, well, we, we, what we discovered from our virtual experiment last year, and trust me, it was an experiment. Um, you know, like uh, I, I often say music is art is like uh, the festival itself. You know, we try to 
it's like the world's biggest backyard carnival. You know, it's like, it's, <laughs> That's good. It's, it, yeah, it's just like, we're, we're, we're just making it happen, man. And, uh, it's exciting. And the people that are there are, are, are excited to be there. And it's like, you know, and it's like an amazing, uh, vibe, you know, just to have that excitement kind of all happening at the same time. And so, yeah. And so I think having all these different kinds of things going on at once, like that's something that like we've tried to embrace more and more as time goes on here you know and uh you know now now we're we had 19 stages last year man it was crazy wow. like, I played yeah there. we had yeah yeah we had yeah we had 19 stages and it was all virtual like i said and you know some of it some of them were as simple and and, and no audience of course you know and this is right. in the middle of the pandemic like yeah. just crazy right and, i was there last like, year I was at the and it was <laughs> yeah, and it was really the only window of time that that could have happened, man. It was weird. It was like in right, September, right. and I don't know if you remember, like stuff kind of started lightening up a little bit, and you know we knew we couldn't have an audience, but you know we made it so there were only about twenty twenty five people at each uh, right. site, yeah, and, and and they were all outdoors or well ventilated, and and. Uh, you know, it came off the big backyard carnival that it is, you know, it, you know, it came off online. But the thing that we learned was that, man, there are so many people who have some sort of connection with this city, you know, yeah. and 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 have some kind of connection with like like, um, you, you know, like a band that was here or like or 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 like um, an organization, you know, an arts organization that was mm -hmm. involved here. And, you know, so we try really hard to like reach way back. I cannot wait for Music is Art this year. Let's continue talking with and about Robbie, but make sure you listen to the very end because there's a super special thing coming your way. I love nothing more than having Fred Mann on the stage. Oh, well, hello. You know, from, from the enemies, two minutes before some 16 year old who's who, who's who wouldn't be doing what he was doing right. if it weren't for people like Fred Mann. Like, like, like to me, like that, oh man, it makes me want to cry, man. Like when I see that stuff, man, I'm telling you. I'm getting old. know like to see that kind of thing and to see like these different ideas being shared you know and 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 these generations you know and different kinds of people who in real life don't have a don't seem to have a hell of a lot in common man you know right, but right. like yeah but like you know you find these things 
you know, like, like music, like art. Yeah. And it's this common ground. And like, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, I can talk to this person. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, you know, like, we're just not going to argue about Trump. You know, it's like, we're actually going to sit here and like talk about something else. You know, like, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, like, I don't know. I, I think that this kind of thing is more important now than ever, you know? And, and so for us to be able to reach outside, getting back to your question, for us to be able to reach outside of our community here and, and, and reach out online, but still embrace the community that's here. Like we found that both of those things are very, very important. So, so yeah, so we're going to figure out a way to do it smarter and more technically proficient and, and, uh, uh, but we definitely don't want to lose lose that portion of it, you know, the uh, online component. Yeah, well, yeah, because then we can, and hopefully we can watch it again and again if we want to. Yeah, and I was just, I, you know, it's funny, I was just listening to uh, uh, the radio this morning, and Drew Serza was on, who runs that Buffalo Wing Festival, which is the weekend before our uh, festival. And we, we, we're we just sort of in the planning stages right now because we weren't even sure if we were going to be able to have right. Any anyone there a week ago, you know, so, um, you know, we're just now starting our, our talks, you know, with the health department and such, you know, as you know, we did last year. But uh, from what he said on the radio this morning, uh, it sounds like you can have up to 5000 people and no more than 500 people in in a, in in one particular area, which is I think we can do that with music is art. You know, I, I, I think that's a achievable goal and you know it looks like at this point things are are only going to get better i'm knocking on right. wood i don't know yes, I am too. yeah and and uh you know so we can move forward and uh you know have the the annual celebration you know that we like to have every year cool and we don't have a date yet or we do september 11th at this point but oh, uh wow. I yeah yeah but i didn't tell you that because it's not exactly confirmed All right, yet, listen, so. people that are so. listening just completely forget that you heard that. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we don't know for sure. <laughs> wow. Okay. So getting back to kind of your beginnings and help that you received uh, yourself and as a band, Bruce Mosier. Yeah, Bruce is, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, uh, he had a very physical presence, you know, as, you know, you guys did you know, in our early career, you know, um, same thing, you know, we, we, they gave us a place to rehearse, you know, they gave us a place to, to kind of hang and, and, uh, feel like we were doing what we were doing amongst people who were doing stuff that was much more prominent than what we were doing at the moment. And, and, and that was a, that was a gift. And I, I don't, I don't think I really realized that how much of a gift that was until just recently, quite honestly, Mm. Like I, I just sort of took it for what it was, you know. Oh, well, of course, there's a guy who hangs out with Bono and Brian Adams, and well, yeah, you know, like so, of course, this guy's at the end of our street, you know. When we'd argue with him about music and stuff, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, like when I think about now, you know, it's like it was, you know, like having that situation there was such a gift to us, you know, and um, you know, and and uh, Bruce and I actually, you know, I mean, you know, we were, you know, we were tight enough back then, but I, I think. As Bruce got older, and you know, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Bruce was a, a, a local record radio promotions guy, and uh, he owned a company here uh, in town in Buffalo who was 
like incredibly active in the Northeast. Uh, Would be yeah, wild music, was the name of music it. Music played, yeah, yeah, exactly. Could be wild. He and his partner Doug, and uh, uh, yeah, and they did really well. And then that business sort of sort of burned out a little bit, and uh, he got sick, and his wife got yeah. sick, and ended up in the hospital, and it was really a crazy scene. Okay. And uh, but right as like right before all that started happening, you know, we, we, we sort of found another part of our relationship. I don't know. It was interesting, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, we were pretty tight, you know, you know, towards the end of his life. And, uh, but yeah, man, uh, really, a extraordinary guy. And, um, you know, um, you know, we, you know, we're still, you know, we're still friends with his kids and stuff. And, yeah. Oh, great. And, uh, Yes, yeah. that's for sure. So anyways, so <laughs> I have a little story, a Pauline story about Bruce Mosier and Could Be Wild. So in the band that I was in that most people remember called Pauline and the Perils. Yay. Uh, <laughs> um, but I've been in a lot of other bands, people. Let's let me just tell you. But anyways, for that one, um, I was playing around Buffalo and we were doing fairly well. And so somehow Bruce got involved and you too was coming to Buffalo to Uncle Sam's and <laughs> he had us open up for you too. At Uncle yeah, Sam's, wild, right? Which is a crazy <laughs> thing. And then we went back to the um, office, could be wild office. And Bono was there and he had like tons of records on the shelf, of course. And Bono picked out um, Dave Clark five <laughs> because I love you. And that was the song that he played. And uh, I just thought, Oh my gosh, this is totally amazing. But I didn't realize it. And I didn't realize Bruce's like you, I didn't realize his um, ripple effect on buffalo until fairly recently um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, you know it's you, you know it's amazing you know you have a chance to kind of look back and just sort of like go over it all and you know you're like wow that was that was like a moment for us yep, for real totally. yeah yeah you know there were a lot of people you know in you know like in, in our career you know um uh armand petrie and mike sack and um Mike Sack, uh, Jeff, did you just say? Yeah, Mike Sack. Remember Mike okay. Sack? I do. Yeah, yeah, Mike Sack. And, uh, I mean, these are all people who believe that us. you know, Kim Farrello, Alan Baumgartner, you know, like, yeah, yeah uh, Artie, Artie Quitchoff, of course. And who was know, the guy at the like, skateboard? And I can't, he had, like, long hair, but one part oh, of Randy, right? Randy Matz. Is that? Yeah. I think what, he was Canadian, him? though. What's that? I think he was Canadian, though. Oh, oh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> an, another skateboard guy. Uh, what the hell is his name? But Randy uh, Metz, I loved. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a hardy scene back then, man. Hardy, you know, like, That's a really good word, hardy. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there was. <laughs> how do I say this? It was a pretty exclusive club, man. You know, like you know, like hearing, it was a family, hearing, a family club, dude. Hearing the Cure and. 
Bed Bath and Beyond. I can't tell you how weird that is. I know. I totally get it. You or know, elevator. <laughs> like, like when I think about the little the little freak show that we were all involved in, and it was only us, man. Yep. You know what I mean, right? Like, totally. Yeah, it was, it was only us. Yep. yep. Yeah, like there was nobody else. Like, like, but like, you know, it's amazing. You know, you know, I mean, in this town, you know, you know, it was only us. You know, and like. You know, it's amazing to see, like, in retrospect, like, you know, like, you know, kids walking around with Ramon shirts on, you know, like. No, it's awesome. You know, it's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy to me. I know. Now you it's know, like, you know, or like a band like The Replacements, you know, like we were on The Replacements, oh biggest tour ever. You know, we, we opened for them on that yeah. tour, you know, and at the max, they were doing 2,500 people, you know, like, you know, like yeah like that scene was not like as huge as it sort of like seems now oh, we it's weird it, man it's we weird. were the seeds <laughs> <laughs> so weird man um i know i know i know uh what else was i going to ask you so i'm interviewing a famous person right now if you could interview a famous person who would it be currently at this very minute bill gates bill gates wow okay yeah Oh, yeah, he's got all sorts of dirt. You know how much people would pay for that interview, man? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> he's in right. all sorts of trouble right now. Well, okay. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So what is a, a funny story, funny or memorable or favorite or anything like that from your life, 80s and 90s? Like, like just a random moment? Random. I, I like random. Oh God! But if it was involved with music, that would be good. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember our we had our first record release party uh-huh. on my on my front porch on the corner of Elmwood and Bird Avenue. Yeah, at like at like one o'clock on a Saturday, like the busiest day on Elmwood and of course there was no internet or Twitter or anything back then so we basically just sent people around because we couldn't have done it days earlier we sent people because we couldn't have done this days earlier we sent people around to people we know's houses to let them know that we were going to play live on our front front porch at in like 20 minutes and uh, so we set all our gear up and um, the we pulled, had a bunch of our friends pull their cars in front of the house and put them in park <laughs> and, <laughs> cause a tra- and cause a traffic jam and had about a oh, uh, hundred kids slam dancing on our front lawn. And, <laughs> and, 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 uh, Are they fighting? Are they fighting? Yeah, and, yeah, the police came and drove across all the lawns and, uh, and, and, and broke my door in and came up and stopped us from playing. That's a pretty great uh, memory. Well, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that would have been 1987. All right, yeah. all right, that's a good one. That's a good one. Anything else you can think of? Fun, weird, uh, it? Oh goodness gracious, I don't know, man. Let's think like, about it for a minute, and I have a question to ask you. And of course, okay. this is a free, you know, podcast. If you want to talk about it, you say I don't want to talk about it, and that's cool. We could talk about something else. But George Tatuska, I think I'm saying his name right. Your original drummer. Anything to say about George? I haven't seen him in a long time. Last time I saw him, uh, his kids' band won uh, the Music is Art Battle of the Bands. His kids' and, uh, band did? Yeah, his kids' band did. Yeah. And 
they, they and uh, so they were, were playing at the festival, and that was the last time we and we, wow. we said hello. That was that was maybe three four years ago. Okay, four four years ago maybe. So I hope he's he's doing well. And hi George, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah, I totally do. What anything else you want to talk about? Like, what are you involved in right now? I know music is art. I know. GCR Studios. I mean, eight million things. You know, charity. Yeah. Well, you know, I got a I got a label I've been running for about. My wife and I have been running for the past maybe fifteen years. We have all Japanese rock bands that we release yeah. music from. Yeah. So the name we've been of it? doing the that. Name of it? Uh, it's called Good Caramel Records. Okay. And, uh, we and and uh, Shonen Knife is is uh, probably our marquee act. Love one of the, yeah, like a like a all girl pop punk band. That, know, how can you not? Been around, <laughs> yeah, that's been around longer than uh, Goo Goo Dolls, believe it or not. Yeah, wow. they've been around. Yeah, they've been around since '84. Yeah, a long, long time. Two sisters, and uh, yeah, and they're awesome, and uh, they're great friends of ours. And, okay. uh, so yeah, so we uh, so we uh, work with them here, and another band called the Molise, and uh, we really. Yeah. I saw yeah, them a few years ago at Music is Art. Yeah, they're amazing, man. They're really, really good. They, they unfortunately are now sitting in Japan, waiting, waiting to see oh, what's going to happen. Man, I yeah, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. We're we we had a tour book for Shonen Knife too. We had a we had to cancel that tour. So, but you know, we're just riding it out, seeing what's going to happen. So, yeah, um, you know, uh, we got that going on. Um, you know, I'm just in the planning stages of of. Uh, the festival uh this year and um your new record just been, yeah a new record coming up for google dolls we just finished the cherry blossom festival that uh i'm involved with buffalo cherry yeah. blossom festival down at uh which we did uh a mix of virtual and uh obviously you know people could go visit the gardens but we had all the events online this year so Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, so, you know, we're just, you know, we're, I'm just busy, man, all the time, you know, there's always something going on here. Oh, I know, so, uh, I mean, that's been yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, my, my, um, yeah, uh, I've been doing some work with a, uh, local musician named Gravitz, Nick Carey is his name. Oh, wait, could you spell that for me? Yeah, G-R-A-B-B-I-T-Z, Gravitz. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and we wrote some stuff together, and, oh, nice. uh. Yeah, and I can't really talk about it right now. Can't tell you what it is, but I one understand. of the songs is is going to be used for a big campaign here. And oh yay! And yeah, and yeah, Buffalo with the More with Buffalo. another art. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, with another uh, female vocalist here from Buffalo who just had some success recently too. So, so, yeah. so, but uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to blow the announcement on okay, that. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, because I think they're going to be excited about it, but. uh but yeah, Gravitz and I have written a bunch of songs together, and I don't quite know what's going to happen with those, but but uh, it's been pretty exciting. And Good. yeah, man, just you know, just a lot of stuff going on. You know, I got a beautiful, healthy nine-year-old daughter. Okay, wait a minute! You know, wait a minute! Gonna... Stop! 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 So she is beautiful, and can you tell me anything that you've learned by having her as your child? <laughs> I, uh, I've I've relearned I've relearned everything. Everything in my life, I've relearned. It's crazy. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, 
anybody who has a kid, I guess you don't, or or or, or <laughs> at least I hope the majority of people, you know, that have kids, you don't have to explain that to, you know, like it really kind of reshapes the way your mind works. I yeah, think priorities, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I think the majority of the time for the better, you know, and, and, uh, for me, certainly it has, you know, and, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I've been, I've been little quirks that she likes to do that. She likes, she really likes to paint creatively. She likes to paint. Yeah. She really likes to paint. We've been doing, we've been doing, uh, we've been playing a lot of badminton lately in the backyard, which is fun. You know, we've been, we've been, uh, yeah. Yeah, she, you know, she's a regular kid, man. She also speaks fluent Japanese. Too, oh, so. nice! That's awesome. Yeah, That's yeah. Brain. So it's, it, yeah. So she does a lot of schooling. She she does probably double the schooling of most kids um, her age. So yeah, so it's uh, you know it's a lot of work for her, but I, but you know we you know we're sure she's gonna benefit from it later oh, on in life. You know, sure. yeah. Cool. Chucky boy, how are you? Hey, Rumi, ex-Rumi from all those years ago. How are you? I'm well. <laughs> I'm doing well. And we we're actually housemates. Let's make that distinction. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. Right? Well, yes, yes. We were housemates. <laughs> you were a grand uh, housemate. And you uh, had a girlfriend at the time that I think was your Rumi. But anyway. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was Beth. Yes. Hi, Beth. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you for a couple of reasons, but the first possible reason is Robbie, our mutual friend and beautiful, successful person. And I'm so excited because you were around in the early days and I wanted to focus on the early days for this broadcast. So, So let's just talk about, first of all, for a minute... Uh, where, how you know me, and how you know Robbie and the Goo Dolls. I remember Johnny when he was bar backing at the Continental, and he was like the skinny little kid who weighed like 130 pounds, and he was always wearing the overhauls and the backwards baseball cap, pushing a broom right. and carrying empty beer bottles around. And I was, and this is like back in the day when the Continental stage was still where it was when it first opened. In the like back, toward, what? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. actually, kind of in the front, but. They changed, like, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, then they moved. Then they moved the stage later toward the back, like where the kitchen used to be. Okay, okay, okay. Like Got it by the sense. back, right? By, by the back wall, like we, we could go outside and smoke cigarettes and whatever. So anyway, um, I was doing sound for a band that I won't name, but a, a band that I was friends with asked me to come in and do sound. And the first time I had any contact, this is probably I don't know eighty six, maybe something like that. So the, the first contact I had, Johnny was pushing a broom around. I was doing sound. And after this band set was done, he's like, I don't know who you are, but I hate that band, but they've never sounded so good. And I actually, <laughs> and I actually listened to him. So that was my first meeting with Johnny Resnick. He's like, I hate those guys. I can't stand them, but you actually made them sound good kind of thing. Oh, I was like, thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I'm, I'm Chuck Root. That was my original first meeting with Johnny, probably like 84. 586 maybe something like that all right at the continental when were they rehearsing in our backyard when you were my housemate on lexington avenue um and i think i moved into your place on lexington um it would have been like early 89 something like that right yeah right yep 
So, um, and, and the Goos were rehearsing back there with, geez, well, you, your bands were there. The the Pinheads were there for a while. Yeah, I mean, right. you guys had a bunch of bands in and out of there. We did. We did. So, it was actually a part-time job for me. So it was cool. And we yeah. got to provide. Now, my neighbors, we talked about this. <laughs> I think I talked about this with Robbie, is the neighbors wanted to kill me. Uh, <laughs> you know, do you remember those neighbors they were both attorneys whatever but um yeah. <laughs> yeah, right and so you know we soundproofed the room as best as we possibly could however it was really soundproof and bob had built those inserts for the windows yep. we're talking bob james people yep anyway yeah. so we're there we're in you know on lexington or late it was awesome Louise. it was awesome and can do you have any stories at all that you could remember around that time of Robbie slash Goo Dolls that are fun to know? Well, I remember, um, well, there's a lot of stuff that I would never publicly disclose because well, okay. I mean, well, that's but, well, no, 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 no. I, I've got stories, but no, I just want to say that like for a lot of people, if you know somebody who's famous, right, it's weird because they're like people's pop icons or cultural icons, right, in showbiz, but they're our friends. Yep. Totally. Right. And yeah. and over the years of knowing them and knowing other people that I've met through my various industry related recording stuff or whatever, you don't ever like violate that trust. So, yeah, I do remember, you know, we had a lot of fun times where uh, I would help them with pre-production stuff, either on Johnny at her sister's house or in your backyard. In, in the old garage carriage house that, that you guys converted, we did some demos in there for like Hold Me Up. Wow. Um, so yeah. the pre-production. Yeah. So we did a whole bunch of recordings because I had an old four track deck. I had, you know, I was poor in my 20s and I think I owned like maybe four or five microphones, not much. But we did a whole bunch of recordings. And actually, I still have all those old demo tapes, too, from like all the bands I recorded Ooh, back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the pre-production stuff, we would record stuff, do the overdubs, which were limited because it was only a four track, but we would then send those off to like their, their managers. And uh, at that point, Armin Petrie, Armin John Petrie was what? still producing and, re and engineering their sessions. So we would give the pre-production tapes to Armin and to the management and then they were with Metal Blade, and I don't remember if Metal Blade had been picked up by Warner Brothers at that time or not. That was the label they were on. But I remember doing a whole bunch of demos and just, like, having a riot doing it because the room was, like, a really pretty good-sized room. And when you think about, like, all the bands that shared that space. Yep. There was a lot of gear in there. There was a lot of beer, a lot of empty bottles, oh. beer bottles and cigarette butts. And we won't say what they were filled with once the beer was gone. No. <laughs> well, one, thank you. <laughs> well, one thing that you and Bob did that would help me, that, that actually helped me out is a struggling 20-something with a bank job at HSBC. An entry-level bank job was you guys would like let me take money off the rent if I clean the uh, rooms out. Oh, we so, did? Oh, well, that was Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I would be taking out the garbage, emptying the ashtrays, cleaning up the spilled beer. And, you know, back then, every, like, tons of people smoked. So yeah. anytime you went to a club and came home, you stunk. Or you went yeah. to a restaurant and came home. Yep. So I just remember, like, just having a riot, though, because, like, hanging out with Rob and John and, and George at the time, it was like, if those guys weren't in a band, they should have started, like, a comedy troupe, like a mini Monty Python, because the three of them just had this 
sort of innate sense of like how to riff off each other. And they were just hysterically funny all yeah. the time. Uh-huh. And they would just like, they would just throw stuff out there to make people laugh and it would just be entertaining. And you're like sitting there, it's like Abbott and Costello kind of thing. Right. But they were just like, hysterical. yeah. So, all right. So, so, yep. Funny, but, funny, funny. Yeah, but but we had a ton of fun doing those sessions. And actually, when when I lived with with uh, you and Bob, and we were housemates, I remember you guys were recording "Burning Down the Barn." It was the rain, and Robbie yeah. did a lot of work on that. Yeah, Robbie did that, and and I was living there, and I remember you know helping Robbie run some cables and stuff. And I think that Bob had borrowed a mixing board from Butch, who lives out by me now in South oh, Wales. Paulson. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. 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 He had borrowed a console from Butch. I think it was an old PV console, if my memory serves correctly. But it actually, you know, a lot of that old gear sounded really good. It and did. I just remember having always a riot. I, you know, even, well, then when I was living there, that's when I joined the Living Daylights because right. Right. Fred, Fred Mann's band, because he was in the Enemies, the Enemies broke up, he formed the Immortals. Then the Immortals kind of morphed into the Living Daylights with a different base, right? And then I ended up joining and we did like, you know, we had tons of fun there. But yeah, there was just, it was like this little mini scene happening there that was absolutely spectacular and awesome. It was just always something going on, you know? Yep. For sure. I just have to say this one thing about that time period and that recording is of all the bands I've been in and all the recordings that have ever been done and lots of studio time and, you know, spiffy, that recording of the rain burning down the barn that Robbie, I guess you would call engineer produced. I don't know. Favorite, favorite thing I've ever done. Yeah. There's something to be said for a bunch of musicians and artists who are in a room and they're playing off each other because they're having this artistic musical conversation. Great. Hey, I got a story that just popped in my head, which they do. So I have not, unfortunately, been able to talk to John 
you know, for years now. But back then, I my first baby born in 1991, Emmy. Emmy Massey now. We were housemates when you were pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I was pregnant. <laughs> Huge, gained 60 pounds for that child. But then I lost it, thank God. But anyway, so John would always call me and have at length conversations about homeopathic advice. And so honestly, we'd have half hour conversations about that. And he would call and it would be great. I would suggest some things, you know, what do you want? What do you think I should do for this, that? And I was felt really good about that. So after that, this is just another little quick Johnny story. Is it? You were talking about like anything you wore to bars back then when you could smoke in bars smelled like smoke. And even though I was really trying to, you know, eat clean and, you know, not use any traditional medication and all that back then, he came to the door. I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know why, but he came to the door. Maybe we're talking about herbal stuff. And I had the baby, Emmy, in my arms. And I said, oh, John, you want to hold her? And I just kind of put him, (laughs) put her in his arms. And he was like, whoa. And then I noticed that his, the smoke smell from his leather jacket was anything that I, everything that I wanted to avoid for that child, but yeah, yeah. It was a cool moment. And I wish I had a picture of it. Okay. That's it. So, well, you know, yeah, well, even back in the day, if you were a non-smoker and you wanted to go to Nietzsche's or the continental or any place, even like a restaurant, right. There was just yep. smoke everywhere. Smoke. And it wasn't until, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until they had the separate smoking sections in like what the late eighties or early nineties or something. Yep. In restaurants. Yep. So it just, it was, it went with the territory, even on airplanes, you'd get on an airplane and come off stinking like cigarettes back in the day. Yeah. You horrible. Know? Your hair. I always had to wash my hair like several times. I just do a little promo for my, I believe, September podcast. And I'm going to do it about uh, early punk rock in Buffalo, New York and feature the enemies. Awesome. So, yep. So Fred's going to get a chance to tell some stories too. So that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. listen, um, before we, well, one more story quick. Sure. Okay. Anything maybe some other people wouldn't know. I remember when the Hold Me Up album came out mm-hmm. and they had the initial listening party at Trackmaster mm-hmm. and they had gotten Marty Borden and Casino El Camino, uh, mm-hmm. who were living at the Death well, Ranch, yep. to cater it. And they had invited local Buffalo people and all that because nobody had heard it yet. We were actually playing it off the master tape. So Adam Dutka and I, and at this point, they had like just, they had been signed to uh, Metal Blade and maybe Metal Blade was part of Warner now. So Adam Dutka, who I don't know if you know who Adam was or is, um, Adam and I show up wearing suits and I had my grandfather's old uh, (laughs) briefcase from the 1950s. He had this big old briefcase. He was an engineer. So Adam and I dress up in suits, pretending we're fake uh, record industry guys from LA. Yeah. Right? So we're walking around just being silly and all that stuff. And everybody's just having fun. Drinks are flowing, all this stuff. And, and the pranksters that they are, they're always just doing stuff to like stop a room and make people laugh and just kind of spread this goodwill and humor. Right. So Adam Dutka and I are like doing this do-si-do thing, kind of like (laughs) hillbillies wearing suits, like dancing around while the album's playing really frigging loud. And then in between songs, in between like the space between two of the songs, Johnny yells at me, Chuck, why do you have to be such a homophobe all the time? I'm like, what? <laughs> and he, he was just trying to get like people's attention. I'm like, I'm not homophobic. I don't have any problem with gay people or whatever. And he's like, well, if you're that confident in your sexuality, you'll, you'll kiss me on the lips right now. 
And there's like, you know, 85 people in the room. This is up in the big room of track. Uh, you did it, right? You did it. Yeah. Johnny Resnick is the only man I've ever kissed on the lips. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he kind of dared me to do it. It's like, yeah. but people, it was hysterical because he just, he was sitting there watching people listening to the record. And I don't know if he thought he just in between songs, he needed to, you know, do something just to like get, get the mood up. But right. he was working that room <laughs> and just kind of, this improv thing pulled me into it. He just always, always constant humor and funniness with those guys. I mean, you know, I miss those days and I love them all to pieces. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I haven't physically seen John in a while. I, I know my brother ran into him uh, at a couple shows down in Philly and stuff. And uh, I, I still see Robbie. Well, I was pre-pandemic when GCR was being opened up for the art shows and live bands playing and all that stuff, I would go and Robbie would be there and Robbie and I would just hang out. It was just like so weird being back yeah. in a studio that someone else owned that now Robbie has and yeah. he's upgraded it and made it modern and all that stuff. So super it's a cool. studio. I've recorded there. And now Pauline will speak with Jeff Cryden, longtime Goo Goo Dolls friend and Warner Brothers Records employee. Hey, is this Jeff Cryden, my friend, Robbie's friend, and pretty much everyone's that friend? That would be me, Pauline. Thank you. <laughs> how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's like 84 degrees in Orchard Park today and sunny, and the pollen count is huge, very high, but I'm uh, good. I'm, I'm with you there in the pound. <laughs> <laughs> down for the yeah, count. Yeah, down for the count. And uh, yeah, in the, other, in the north... North part of Western New York, it's uh, beautiful here too. So, all right, well, that's reason to celebrate. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I want to talk about Robbie Pekak, okay. and I want to talk about your connection with him in the oldish days. Now, you were connected with him until 1990, about. Yeah, I go as far back as 1990. Uh, maybe, oh, it started in 1990. Well, it might have been a little earlier than that, uh, but, you know, my connection is 1990, because uh, back, you know, probably back as late as 88, uh, the late, great uh, Friday Night Dave Oka, who, oh, who yeah, we all loved know, him. love, and remember. For a year and a half, he kept he kept saying like, "Come on, Jeff, you got to go to the Continental. We got to go see the, you got to go see this band, the Goo Goo Dolls, play." And and for a year and a half, I I said like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." And I blew him off until I finally gave in and I and I said, "Okay, Dave, I'll, I'll go I'll go see him with you." And um, and they were great. They they were fun. Uh, they were having a good time on stage. Uh, beer bottles were flying by my by my face as I was watching it, <laughs> and I thought like, okay. So then, back in 1990, Warner Brothers Records, we had we had a distribution deal with uh, with Death Metal Records, and, and you worked for Warner's, yep, right, for 25 years. Yeah, and and um, so when we had that distribution deal with uh, with Death Metal, uh, the Goos were the, their first album. Uh, for that label was hold me up, so I, I went in, you know, full bodied and said like, okay, I'm going to get the local guys some some airplay outside of college radio. So, um, so that's that's where it all started is back then in 1990 when that album came out. Okay, yeah, tell me what you remember about Robbie and the Goo Goo Dolls way back in '90. Uh, 1990. Um, 
I think like back then they were really inquisitive. Uh, they, they were still guarded. I mean, like they didn't really know me from Adam, um, except, you know, he was a local uh, Warner Brothers guy. And, we've you know, we all had heard of each other. But um, Robbie was always a really happy-go-lucky guy. And, uh-huh. you know, um, and, and he was less guarded than John, maybe. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, he was having a good time. I mean, you know, back then on those first few albums, you know, a lot of people can probably still remember back that Robbie was the lead singer. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to him about that. And then John did a few and then look where they are today. Yeah. yeah. So Ro- Robbie's, Robbie's been consistent. He's just like a really good down to earth guy. Um, and, and he's always been that way. Mm-hmm. It's true. And so he sometimes doesn't wear shoes when he records, but back then he never wore shoes like exactly. ever. And I wondered how he didn't get like all cut feet and stuff like that, but I guess he survived yeah, pretty well. So. Yeah, he did. I, I, he, I think, I, I don't remember what tour he, he finally started wearing shoes, but it, it was, it was a, it was a good long while. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So do you have any stories from back then that you can remember? Um, I, you know, my first real story probably started with when I really got to be, uh, close with them was, um, was just before Superstar Car Wash came out in 93. Uh-huh. And like yeah. I, I, my wife, Mary and I, we, we went to see them because they, they, they did that annual New Year's Eve show with the Continental. And, yeah. and so, so New Year's Eve of 92, we were there and, I do remember it was probably like a, a year since I had seen them last at that point. And you know, so I'm like, holy cow, where have you been? But, the, but you know, in, in 93, when Superstar Car Wash came out, God, that was a great record. And, and, and to this day, it still might be my favorite album of theirs. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and it was when, when they started touring behind that, I remember they they uh, they actually got a tour bus. So instead of driving around like they did the first three years, all cramped in a van, we Warner Brothers actually or their management, whoever, uh, footed them for a tour bus. So they were ecstatic that they were you know traveling in luxury, and and they were excited about that. I actually bought them uh, a fan uh, so that they would have on stage so they wouldn't be sweating all the time. <laughs> um, so I remember they they left from the Holiday Inn on Delaware. And, okay. and so there was about maybe a dozen of us that that saw him off, and 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 that was a that was a nice tour because you know that really kind of like took him to the next level that album. Yeah, it really did. Because they, um, you know, they had a semi hit with "We Are the Normal" that John wrote with Paul Westerberg. Yes. And, and then when we stopped working that album after about three songs, I got I, I got upset and like. Uh, you know, had a heated argument with one of the national guys. Like we haven't even worked the best song in the album. <laughs> and in which my favorite song on it was uh, stop the world. And I was looking forward to like, you know, working that song, but we didn't go any farther. And I was a little disappointed in that. And um, that was at least a stepping stone for him yeah, and, yeah, until, for sure. until the, uh, the history of a boy named goo came out. Right. And so in terms of like their breakthrough to sort of the big time, <laughs> like as we know them, you know, today or over the last decade, mm-hmm. maybe 
where were you in that and how do you how do you feel that maybe you contributed to that were there any other buffalonians that were involved uh well um besides saturday night dave like at that point you know um armin petrie i don't know how like you know how how involved he was he didn't produce that record and and, you know he produced the first three records but you you know armin was a friend actually how we started i'm trying to think back actually when super when superstar car wash came out we did a we did an in-store a live in-store at new world record on elmwood Ah, and you could actually still see that on uh youtube oh okay so what's it under is like New World Record, Goo Goo Dolls, Goo Dolls, New World um, you Record. Can, if you typed in um, Goo Goo Dolls Superstar Car Wash, okay, um, and, and that that was that was fun. You know, the people were jammed into the store for for that. That was like on the release date of the record of the night before the release date. So that that was fun. But when uh, a boy named Goo came out, John called me and and he said, uh, "Will you come over?" And and he was living on Anderson Place then. So yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I, I I went over there and you know he had uh, I had heard the record and in its um, in its infancy, and then uh, he told me some news that he and Robbie decided on, and they were changing drummers. So I actually uh, drove around town listening to that album. Robbie's songs on that album were great. Really liked his songs on that album a, I know. a, a whole lot. And, um, but when name came on, I thought, I, I looked at John and I said, ah, you wrote yourself a girly ballad and, <laughs> and, and the rest of history. <laughs> hey people get your Kleenex ready for a very special gift from Robbie. Personally, I'm so proud of him. I cried my eyes out. Anyway, people, please, if you would like to hear more podcasts like this, become a sponsor. You can message me on Facebook or contact me through paulineandthepodcast.com. Thank you so much, and here we go. All right, darling. Well, I do have a favor to ask you. Um, All right. (laughs) I know that we can't hear any Goo Goo Dolls songs, per se, because of copyright. I don't want to get shut down. But (laughs) do you have a guitar or anything with you? Uh, Yeah, I got a guitar here. Yay. So could you play something? A little of something. <laughs> if I could walk a straight mile, it could write it down in short, and I could show you if you want me to. And if I had an hourglass, I'd save the grains of time I'll spend with you. That's what I do. But I remember you always said it could be great. I knew it could be. Well, there's a way you look at things that no one needs to know but you. And you shed with me. Like every time the leaves would fall You promised me that they'd be back again And I believed in you You always said it could be great I hadn't time to waste And now it seems that we come too far Cause as bright as you 
walk Don't get burned by your lucky star Right as you walk Don't get burned by your lucky star It's written down in hardbound books Things used to be, they ain't for me. I'd swear they're all for you. Cause we said sugar and Graham said shoot. Her mom said shit, and I don't know what she'll do. As if it's up to you. But I remember you always said it could be great. I hadn't time to waste. Now it seems that we come too far As bright as you are Don't get burned by your lucky star Right as you are Don't get burned by your lucky star Your lucky star will burn ya Your lucky star can turn you round Your lucky star will burn ya Your lucky star can turn you Thank you so much. That's my favorite. My favorite. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, thank <laughs> you. And um, I'm sure we'll hear about your next projects. And um, I just love you. And thanks for doing this. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, good luck with your podcast. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, I, I, I uh, hope to be able to, uh, you know, have a uh, cup of tea with you soon or something. Well, that'd be awesome. Love it. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, see ya. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. You'll have a chance to hear more from Chuck now. I hear there's another studio out in the boonies where you can record, (laughs) but it's actually not. It's not really that far, but where you can record. You know what? It's Electric Owl is the name of your studio, right? Electric Owl Works. Yes. Sorry. Electric Owl Works. And tell me what I can do there if I go there. We are set up for recording, for live recording, overdubs, uh, mixing and mastering. Mm-hmm. So pretty much anything you can do anywhere, you can do here. My wife, Julie, and I, who are the co-owners, decided that just have an old school, what is called residential recording studio that's like out in the country. Nice. And this, right? And like where Queen used to make records in England, there are all those old studios and like old Castle. English countryside farmhouses and stuff, yep. right? And there's something to be said for this sort of immersive experience where you go someplace and you're not distracted by what's happening around the corner at, totally. you know, yep. and stuff. And you just go and you do your thing. So you're going on like this little vacation to create art. So what we've tried to do is, and what we have done is created this environment where, you know, all different kinds of artists can come here and feel safe to be themselves. And we've, you know worked really hard to, nur- to nurture and cultivate an environment where people of any genre can come in 
do their thing and walk out of here with a finished product that they can be happy with. You know, I've got tons of gear, actually a lot of the gear, actually all the gear that I had back in the 80s and 90s that I did my early, early uh, demos and recordings on, uh, including the Google Doll set. Uh, pre-production that we talked about i still got all those old mics and compressors oh, nice and, yeah so oh, and it's cool. so you just <laughs> so we just acquire gear over time and it's really just about you know having a place a safe place because actually we work with a lot of uh like female artists mm-hmm. and stuff and my wife being the co-owner is actually really kind of cool because recording studios haven't always been the friendliest place for 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 girls hello you know and and i'm not saying you or anybody in buffalo but no well it's true though it's all over so if uh, first of all i actually really do want to come see your studio because i'm i'm releasing like a pauline compilation thing because i've had a gazillion bands over the years so i'm gonna do that and i have to re-record a couple things so um, let me know. I want to get a hold of you, though. Like, yep. I'm just on Facebook or something. I want to get a hold yeah. of you. What do I do? If someone, uh, well, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, um, on Instagram, we are EOW Audio. Okay. So anybody can just look me up, Charles A. Truth Third. Again, not my idea, but Charles A. Truth Third um, on Facebook, or just look for EOW Audio. Uh, uh, that's our username on facebook twitter youtube we we have a demo reel of work that we've done recording mixing and mastering on spotify so we oh, have nice. yeah so we, we have a we have an electric Owl works demo reel on spotify i think we have one on uh soundcloud uh, during the pandemic what we've been doing is actually offering free mastering services to artists because you know, since studios have been closed, like globally, bands and singer songwriters couldn't go to recording studios and record. So everybody started buying gear and trying to record themselves. So to encourage that, what we've been doing is offering free mastering. So if if, if you oh, record nice. yourself and mix yourself, we'll master it and get it massaged and ready for YouTube and Spotify and all that stuff. And we're nice. still offering the uh, free mastering. So yeah, so we're just, so yeah, we're just trying to help people out. You know, that's awesome. Chucky boy, so nice to talk to you. You as well. It's a pleasure. And, you know, I'm trying to think the last time I ran into you was... Well, last time were we pogoing or what? That you were- uh, actually, I think it was Pauline and the Perils were playing at the Continental thing. I think it was at, at that last Continental yeah, show at the Yeah, town. yeah, 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 that, yeah. That was, it was great to see you then. Yeah, and that was probably the last time we ran into each other. And then, like, then the pandemic thing. But I hope to run into everybody soon. This is like yeah, uh, me too. I know, yeah. what, and I'm going to come see you. And I hope that um, you will have some business from this because I know you're very dedicated and super good at what you do. All right, this has been a pleasure. Big thanks for mega tech help from Charles Root the Third from Electric Owl Studio, and thank you to all the people that are listening and who will check us out every month at PaulineandThePodcast.com.